Welcome back to another episode of The Line to Mastery. In this episode, I have my brother Jimmy Bennett on. Jimmy is a fitness coach, a yoga instructor, and a glassblower, as well as being a medicine man. Jimmy and I first met at the Honor Academy here in Austin, Texas. Over the course of the past year, Jimmy and I have spent a lot of time training together and developing our connection as brothers. In this podcast, Jimmy talks about his transformation from being an angry child, difficult and challenging experiences growing up to being a centered and empathetic warrior as well as leader. He ended up coaching a lot of workouts here in Austin in the mornings and without a doubt they have absolutely changed my physical practice, the way I'm able to move my body, um, how well I highline. This man has made a massive impact on my life. Jimmy also shares one of the craziest stories that I've ever heard. It was definitely a dark night of the soul that lasted more than just one day or night. It, it lasted months and He is a really powerful human being for not only being really vulnerable and sharing this story on the podcast, but also just for working through it and growing through it and transforming into the man that he is today. To explain the story just a little bit, Jimmy ended up learning that you could eat rye uh, from a 12-year-old and the rye that he was chewing on here in Austin ended up having uh, some mold on it which made it ergot and the ergot ends up having the chemical compound of LSA which is very similar to LSD. So essentially Jimmy was just chewing on this rye and having these crazy psychedelic experiences that manifested into a lot of different aspects in his life. Um, I, at this moment in time, will just let Jimmy tell this story beyond this intro. And yeah, it's, it's an incredible story. And it's just, it shows that you can grow through anything and that no, no trial, no tribulation, no setback is too big for you to transform through. So speaking of transformation, I want to open up to my audience and you all that I have availability now for three clients. I've been coaching clients since May when it comes to slacklining and performance. At this moment in time, I specialize in getting over old patterns and addictions, especially when it comes to eating toxic food, smoking too much weed, masturbating to pornography. I have really connected with dopamine detoxes and being able to just pull back old patterns so that you can step into the new. So if you have any interest in working with me as a coach and increasing your performance in all aspects of your life, then like I said, I have three openings available right now. So reach out on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and I look forward to hearing from you if you feel the call. Until then, enjoy this podcast with my soul brother, Jimmy Bennett. Much love. Well, brother, (laughs) this podcast is one that I have been looking forward to for a while. You, um, man, you have been such just like a pivotal person since I've moved to Austin. You know, we could 
elaborate for days on experiences and things that we've unpacked together. And it's, it's not lightly that I say that I have so much gratitude and love for you and appreciation for the light you have shined in my life. Uh, the space that you have held for me and the ways in which you have witnessed me transform since moving here. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Mm. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for those words. Man. I honestly, uh, I feel the same way, you know, uh, from the moment I saw you at that Tantra get together, you just stood out in the room as like a, a masculine that stands in himself, like a solid individual. And I couldn't tell your age, you know, I could tell you were kind of younger, maybe a little cocky, but like a beautiful cockiness that I was like intimidated by. And that's something that I recognized at an early age when I feel that immediate friction with somebody else, that ego, that intimidation that I need to pay attention to that, pursue that because those always end up being like really profound relationships. If I can get past my own fear and ego and insecurities and intimidation. So being where I was in that place, seeing you and knowing immediately like, Oh, there's a, there's a warrior. There's a brother. Some things are going to happen here. You know, just like just that knowing that intuition. So thank you for having me and let's get into it. Yeah, brother. (laughs) Let's get into it. So I think I want to start off with just meeting at on it and yeah, connecting there mm-hmm. with the the tools and the methodologies. And then also you have been a yoga instructor for Black Swan. Mm-hmm. And I would love to know kind of like a bit about your background and what that call was for you to like get involved with the kettlebells and the steel maces and yoga. <clears throat> well, for me personally, I... Uh... I put away and had pushed off fitness for a large portion of my life. Um, you know, growing up younger, playing football, powerlifting, getting into fighting, and then having a huge transformation and taking this yoga path. And along that yoga path, I really put down fitness and weightlifting and strength and just focused on yoga. And then I had another pivotal experience and stepped away from yoga completely and got incredibly stagnant, like years, years of downtime, no personal practice recovering from a knee injury, um, had fallen off and then moved back to Texas, was here a couple of years before I even, you know, started to get back into my practice, found a yoga studio, Black Swan, that I enjoyed going to on a regular basis and yoga, yoga. And, and then one of my best friends, she got a job at Black Swan. And before she got her job, she was like, I want to sit with you. I know you've taught yoga. I just want to sit with you and get some cues and let you know, like, help me, help me get prepared for my interview. And in that one, like hour, hour and a half session we had, it was like, it was all there, all the knowledge. I basically, you know, was like, Oh my God, I still have all this. And she was like, wow, you're an incredible teacher. Like, and I just, just like, all right, maybe I should get back into this again. I might as well. And, uh, once she got the job there, I kind of had a foot in the door. My friend Noah from Mana as well, beast yoga. He, he got my me in the door as well, and I got an interview, and I got the job, and um, that passion, like I put it down yoga initially for a relationship for a partner that wasn't comfortable with me teaching yoga, being in a room full of attractive women, and uh, 
stepping back into that and finding that love again, what the kind of fulfillment you receive from just holding space for a room to move energy. I was so disappointed in myself that I had uh, let that slip for that long, but I had found that new passion again, found that new love again and just delved back in and was like, all right, I'm a yoga teacher again. And Black Swan being an affiliate of on it. Um, we got free on it memberships. We also got to receive free on it certifications with on a waiting list. And I realized I needed to give, you know, I listened to Joe Rogan. I'm, I'm aware of Aubrey Marcus and I just wanted to see what was up with this on it thing. And kind of just slowly fell in love with it. But it was so interesting to me because it brought me back into my body more than anything else I was doing. Even the yoga at the time, you know, got to be easy, really. And then when it came to these tools and these movement with the tools and the the distal movement and the putting yourself in these um, uncomfortable positions and having to know how to activate and engage things, I started to have these like um, kundalini releases and like chakra activations by plugging in different parts of my body and becoming even more aware of the fact that how outside of my body I actually was. Because I've been beating and destroying my body for a long time, like just not enough care. And uh, yeah, dude, I want to just, man, it brought me back into that. I feel like, you know, constantly trying to balance the mind, body, and spirit and really stepping into on it, falling back in love with my yoga practice. It brought me back to that, the body aspect of, um, of the Trinity, if you will, you know, and yeah, that's where we <laughs> were fortunate enough to, to cross paths as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you ended up picking up the practice again and like getting back into teaching because if it wasn't if if you hadn't i would not you know be training as hard as i am right now and seeing as much growth and progress within my own life and personal practice because you you chose to get back into it and get involved and now bring together like some good community in the mornings for for workouts and some skill exchanging and also just like durability, mm-hmm. you know, it's been, it's been groundbreaking for me right now. So truly, thank you. Absolutely. I mean, it was honestly that outlet of, you know, black Swan being an affiliative on it, me getting some of the on it training and then being offered a hot on it class through black Swan. So to teach fitness and I'm not a fitness instructor. I was at the time that was my mentality. I was like, I don't teach fitness. I got this very chill, yoga vibe that I bring this fitness is more amped up I don't know how to maintain that hype energy for an hour straight you know my energy in the yoga class is a lot more soothing and um so I was a little intimidated at first it was a new challenge and uh I felt like I was just like winging it you know which you kind of just got that's that's been I guess that's been my life really you just put yourself out there but that opportunity and I remember I used to like try to put on a persona before my class i would like remind myself like pretend like oh you're you're a professional wrestler okay so for this whole class you're rick flair you know you got to be dropping woos and you got to be hyping people up you know complete opposite of the yoga thing but having fun with it like that and and getting into it and then i just found my own 
you know, like it just slipped into it. And, um, kettlebell certification through on it, steel mace, durability, which you and I have both fallen in love with, you know, the, the, the aftercare, the joint mobility, like the, the longevity mentality that they have instilled in us, which I never experienced in my life, which is why my body was the way it has been. And I've been feeling so much stronger and like, you know, you, your growth in it and us falling into it together and like seeing you grow and wanting to put, it's like this back and forth. And it's, that's really what's pushed me to be where, where I am, you know, wanting to get, see how often you were going to durability every week. It's like, shit, I got to get more durability and, you know, and just like, it's been a beautiful, beautiful journey. And now I, I'm like, I can take this with me anywhere I go. These tools, I feel confident being a, you know, fitness coach type person and have been able to bring that yoga aspect to it, that care for the body and that love. Like today, you know, I was in tears from all the thank yous I got and the one-on-ones of like people tell me how safe and comfortable they felt with my instruction, you know, and that's a hard, it can be hard. Sometimes you're pushing people, they're frustrated with themselves. They're not good at what they're doing. You're telling them over and over and you're trying to inflict like, um, or project encouragement and not make them feel like comfort and encouragement at the same time and read it. And I, it just, it's been coming through naturally, you know, it's like everything plugged in. So when I step into that space where I feel like in my youth, I used to be a lot more frustrated with people when they don't get it. I'm able to just, I'm already in that space of like pretty much we're here to heal and to work through stuff that, yeah, it's, and to get that affirmation afterwards, to see our bodies and our growth and our structure and just be like, okay, this mentality of I'm not a fitness coach, I got to let go of that. This is working for all of us. We're well balanced in our bodies. We're learning and growing and watching people grow with the mace. And I'm like, all right, I can like, <laughs> it's like giving myself that little bit of like, you're doing all right, which has taken me a long time in my life to be able to do. I feel like I'm really for the first time at 34 years of age, like stepping into that, like can give myself a little bit of acknowledgement and like pat on the back, like, and feel support for myself. And it seems like you've done a lot of deep work as far as like just giving yourself compassion for the things that you've gone through and how far you've come. And then it makes sense that that would, in turn be fed into the way that you also see others and you can hold more compassion for them. And it makes sense, you know, that people that are first coming across these tools, like we were lucky to, even though I haven't had certifications in any of these tools yet, actually outside of the steel mace with Leo still with that being said, like I've trained with them. I've trained with all of these people that have been certified so Mm -hmm. that I understand the methodology. I understand the way that it feels on my body without having all of the verbiage, Mm -hmm. uh, for it. So it makes sense that a lot of people that are first coming across these tools that are not going into on air are going to have a difficult time because they're awkward. Mm -hmm. They don't initially register within the body, especially if you don't have any sort of other type of experience. Whereas like with the mace, if you have the staff, it's there's things that translate. So Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more applicable, but for people that are not playing within different styles of flow tools, it makes sense that it would be a little bit trickier to get a hang on. And just to go back onto durability, like I see prehab is way better than rehab. Oh yes. (laughs) And you know, like 
not to say I won't have to have rehab later on in the future for something. It hasn't happened yet, yeah. thankfully. <laughs> and I think just understanding how the body works and how you can best take care of it and treat it for the long run through the practice of durability and rehab is so important. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've torn an ACL. I have half of a meniscus. I've definitely got some gnarly stuff going on in the shoulder that I have refused to get an MRI because I don't want to know how bad the damage is. And I'm already coming, you know, 30 years deep into this body, plenty of uh, bad habits. And I mean, I've been going on it now for two years. I feel stronger than I ever been. The flexion in my knee is just is getting better and better. I'm learning these techniques to care for myself. And yeah, like I feel better in my body, the oldest that I have been in my life. And to me, that speaks volumes, you know, like I never ran. I really despised the way that running felt in my body and what it was as a whole. And now I just started running and I fucking love it. And I'm, my body can handle the load and my body knows I'm like, Man, I know my distance. I know, you know, I'm just tapping into this thing that's been intuitive in me and feels wonderful. And it's something that I pushed away. And it's, um, yeah, it's to me, the durability, the body awareness and the taking the time to care for yourself. It's 10 times more important than the aesthetics that you're seeking, the, the weight that you're trying to lose, the, the balance you're trying to find. Like these are our body. These are our, structure that's got to get us onward and upward and like if we want to be able to show up in life you know whether we're into extreme sports or whether we love to dance or whether we just like to hike and be in nature but we want to be an active participant in our own life and with other people and able to pick up our grandchildren you know like to live a full life gotta take care of this structure and like yeah durability on it yoga it's all brought me back into that aspect of like what I said, the training, you know, mind, body, spirit. It's a constant struggle of the balance of those three, the caring for that, for your body awareness, knowing your limits, your edge, my, my injuries comfortably moving at those edges to build strength, to support the injuries, like blowing my mind. Like, wow, the structure is impaired here. If I just solidify the structure around this impairment, I can work with it and grow with it. And yeah, it's beautiful. It's so simple, but you know, it was new to me and I'm super grateful for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes I feel like the simple things are what offers the most value. Like it doesn't really have to be that complex. And I feel for most people like outside of being a bodybuilder, which I totally respect that craft. Um, like that's a whole nother art yeah, form, like just absolutely. being so dialed in the science of the body and disciplined and the way that you train constantly, eat constantly and like have to figure out rest. Oh yeah. Um, like there's so much that goes into that. Most people don't need that, you know, and most people are training and doing, uh, movements that are more practical towards that. Whereas I feel like what we're learning at Onnit is a lot more functional for people. And if the priority went from like how they look mm -hmm. and more into how they felt. Absolutely. Then how they look would follow. <laughs> and then you get the mix of both. You yeah. get the best of both worlds. My yoga teacher always would say that all these things are just side effects of yoga. You're not coming to, you should not be coming to yoga 
to get a good ass, to get some abs, to find balance. You should be coming to yoga to find some peace, to find your breath, to find some stillness. All of this other stuff is just side effects. Like these are side effects of yoga. These aren't the goals of yoga and coming to it with that approach of like, I'm not coming into this so that my biceps look like this and chicks think I look good, you know, with my shirt off. It's more so I can feel good in my body. I can feel comfortable in this body, solid, strong, aware of this body and its capabilities. Like that kind of presence and awareness is priceless. And if later on down the road, all of a sudden you are looking good, like you said, it's just the, uh, the external representing what the internal is actually taking on. And it's like, that's where it should be. Not the goal of just the aesthetics, you know? Yeah. That's the, <laughs> that's the, that's the magic. Yeah. Like, where all, in my opinion, the best things lie is when you focus on that internal first and then the external changes. Mm-hmm. And so often, um, I think we understand it at its essence that your internal reflects your external, but oftentimes we're trying to change the external thinking that it'll change the internal, exactly. but it doesn't really. So I want to just like delve a little bit deeper into your character by asking what is a character or person real or fictitious that you really connect with in this life? Well, the, the minute you said fictitious, I went straight to Wolverine. You know, that's <laughs> that's my boy. Like, that movie Wolverine came out. I was a puddle of tears throughout the majority of that movie. At the end, the credits were going by. Kids are walking by laughing at me. I'm like this grown-ass man just bawling my eyes out. I don't know what it is. It just resonated with the story. Was that the oldest one? The, the newest one that came out? It was the one Logan where he... Where okay, he okay so Logan the, specifically. Yes. Cool. Just want to clarify. Yeah. And, uh, just the whole concept of who he, who he was and what he, what he was, he didn't choose that life. You know, it was forced upon him, but he accepted it. He had to experience love, the truest, deepest connections of brotherhood, of, of lovers, of partners, of friends, of life and let it go over and over and over again. Because he couldn't die, and he had to watch everyone he loved die. And and he still chose to show up fully because he had the ability to. It's like, I'm aware of of what I can do, and if it's for good, I'm going to do it, even if I have to suffer this immenseness. And in that last movie, in the Logan, you know, like, he has a child, essentially, but they're like, it's genetically... He never birthed a child, but basically it was his genes. And you could see that in that movie, he had gotten so jaded and old, you know, this dude's fucking hundreds of years old at this point, thousands of years old. And he's losing everything he loves. He's watching all the X-Men die. He's watching his, his people just be snuffed out, you know? And, uh, this girl, this child like brings that love back into, and you see him once again, against everything he he you know that pain he just doesn't want to feel but he opens himself up again to that purest love the purest love you know the love of a child and yeah just shows up again 100 percent, all to to let it all go once again in the end and just like it was such a beautiful story of like divine masculine and, and protection and showing up and, and being 
everything that you can be knowing that, A, it may not even all matter. You may lose it all. It may all fall apart. Like, you're going to have to say goodbye to everything at some point. And, uh, but you still do it. You still live it to the fullest. You don't let that, that, uh, knowing hinder you anyway. You almost let it push you even more, more drive that constant reminder of like, this all could go, you know, death right there as your, as your, as your guide, constantly pushing you to live the fullest you can. And yeah, man, Wolverine, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah. There's, dude, there's some potent lessons in that movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> that's a good one, dude. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I, uh, I really connect with the way that you were, just conveying in that story how Logan had to really, you know, despite all of the suffering and the pain that he went through, he just like still continued to show up. And that's just like really divine masculine right there. Mm. You know, things are not always going to look the way that you want them to or feel their best, but it's, it's your call to show up. Right. Yeah to your fullest and from the heart, you know, not jaded by every ounce of suffering previous, but here in this moment, here I am. And yeah, man, that's, it's powerful, powerful stuff in the (laughs) X-Men. Yeah, it really is. So I want to now go towards kind of like what your mindset was when COVID first happened and like, your transition to Colorado and what that was like, and then the inspiration for coming back and creating these uh, essentially workouts in the morning for your community. Yeah, man. As soon as COVID hit, I I knew I had to get away. Like the world had so quickly and so immediately adapted to a new way of life where they're avoiding each other. They're all wearing masks. You can't see facial expression. No, some of my closest friends wouldn't let me come near them, you know, and I respect everybody's response to this thing. But for me personally, that's not the world I wanted to live in. That's not the world I wanted to accept. And that's not the world I wanted to get used to or to pretend that I was okay with. And in spite of all the statistics, in spite of all the numbers, me personally, I've had a lot of like work around death. And it's not to say there's not a healthy fear or just like acknowledgement of death and its capability, but like, I don't, I don't live my life in fear of death. Like we just touched on earlier, like should be your advisor, should be right, right there by your side at all times is death. And you know that. And that's why you show up in life. It's full, the fullest you can when you can because of that knowing. And so when, even though these statistics come in on the, the world's like, okay, well, you could die. And it's like, nothing changed for me. I know I can die, but I'm not afraid of it. And I'm not going to add any extra fear. And I just can't fall into this pattern of what's happening right now. So I just went out to the woods my friend's you know property 50 acres where i could be with the trees i don't have to wear a mask i don't have to worry about any human interaction i can just be with nature and not in that dense 
energy I was just feeling of, of all the people around me, my friends, my family, the city itself, you know, the protests had just happened and I had been to a few protests. I'd gotten tear gas. I got pepper sprayed. I watched a young white girl be assaulted by a police officer. It was all this stuff built up in me. And I, I just knew I had to get, get out and just be, and I'm, I spent about six weeks out there. You know, got acclimated to the, to the altitude, started working out with Justin Brown and doing some mace out there in the mountains and just really checking in with myself, you know, being out there with nothing else. You feel really small surrounded by those mountains and just what's happening in the world and, and the, the conflict within me, the, the sense of the collective as well. It just felt heavy and it felt hard. And I've just always dreamed of a different way of life. And it could be silly, it could be a hippie, whatever, but I've always felt like we could live a better existence. And it's just time for me, you know, being on that land. I'm like, you know what? It's time to get my hands dirty. It's been long enough of me talking this talk and having this knowing and it's time for me to just put up or shut up and do the work and so i'm going home when my lease is up i'm moving back to this property and i'm going to start getting my hands dirty and acquiring all the knowledge that i need to know to continue building community and permaculture and uh, ethical ways of of living with the earth and share that knowledge so it's time for me to sit down and do some hard work and and, and really put put the uh <laughs> the metal to the meat if you will if you will you know and uh but prior to coming back i just knew like okay i'm going back to austin city's kind of weird we're in covid i've i've been working out up here in the mountains i've got to keep that going i know i could write my own workouts i know i could do that but i also knew like man when i'm around other people when i'm outdoors when i'm motivated it just i need I need a connection. I know that I thrive on human energy and connection and, and love, you know, and movement, all of it just, it pushes me. It feels so good for me. And, you know, we had this small crew from on it on it was closed. And I even kind of talked myself into the whole thing of like our mutual friend, Ryan, who really helped me step out of my shell and become the coach that I am and watching his transformation. I was like, you know what? I want him to be a coach someday. So, let me put this workout together and so he can learn what it's like to lead others and then eventually push him into that place. That was kind of like my mindset for putting that whole group together. It's so subconscious of just like, nah, just put yourself into a place where you need to be accountable. And, and it'll, because it wasn't a few weeks into the workouts that Ryan got into on it and wasn't there anymore. And it was all just on me. And I realized, man, this all worked out perfectly like i you know and all the thank yous and all all the love i received it's like it was just like teaching a yoga class for me it's like I, you get so much more from teaching a yoga class than you do from taking a yoga class i get so much more from showing up and being with you than i would if i worked out for three hours straight like it's fulfilling and you know if you want to be good at anything you got to teach it and i already you know had several months under my belt teaching the hot on it classes was feeling comfortable enough to do it and sent you know it's been four months we've been doing these workouts that group has transitioned and fluctuated and and some people have come some people have gone and like now it's like been a steady 12 to 15 people and community has grown from it people have made friends it's like it couldn't have been a better experience for me and i have just had the hugest like you know it's kind of an experiment but the 
the clear messages that would come through of like, look, this is, that was four months. You put an hour of your energy in five days a week for four months and look at what happened. Beautiful community and strength grown so quickly. And it was just like, look, if you start showing up in life, showing up just with your offerings, your gifts, without any expectation of what's going to happen, I, man, you know, Bridget has traded by teaching me climbing. I've had so many people give me body work. John has worked on my bike. Um, Kevin has given me glass blowing tools. You made me this meal, you know, like it all gets reciprocated. And I've always known that. And I've always trusted that. And it's always come through life. And this is like, I've gone a little, just a little extra to put a little more in and it has come back tenfold. And it's just like, right there like i can't deny that i can't ever not know that now that like this is it this is life it's time to show up we are the ones and as we all step up it's just happening we gotta get the fuck out of our own way you just be you show up to the your fullest with no expectations bring your gifts it all falls in place and you've been witness to this in just a short amount of time and in your own life you, you know it's like you trust and Life shows up. The universe responds. Magic happens. Magic happens. <clears throat> yeah, I am so grateful that you listened to that call to action, even if like <laughs> Ryan was the initial inspiration. Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> incredible inspiration. And I kind of forgot about him for a second just yeah. because we don't connect as much. But like when you said his name, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. such a solid dude. That man needs to like sit in front of a microphone and just speak for a little bit. So I'm going to reach out to him soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's, it's been something for everyone. Really. I, I know that everyone's getting such a good benefit out of it. Um, you know, being able to strengthen our immune systems, especially in a time where like, that's a huge concern is like not getting sick. So being able to work out, get that sunshine be around people as well as like go into cold water afterwards like i can't even imagine how different all of these workouts would be if we weren't able to hit barton springs yes (laughs) those healing waters so good yeah so it's just been like multiple layers of beneficial healing for everyone that shows up for the practice and I'm like, I'm feeling it in my own life. I know other people are feeling it in theirs as well. And it really just goes to show like when you show up for life, life provides, mm-hmm. it reciprocates. It's just asking you to show up really. But that's what we came here to do. You know, you want to be here in it. And that's, you know, honestly, the work is those, those behaviors, those things that that thwart you, that limit you from fully showing up. And that's our work. That's all of our own individual work to, to catch those thoughts, those behaviors, those feelings that are stopping us from showing up. You know, we all have something somewhere story, whether it be our own past life, ancestral and our generation, the generations come, that's what we're here to do. We're, we're clearing out all that old so we can build a new and like Young, looking across at a young man, you know, pretty much 10 years my younger, something like that. Man, 
I just have such a, an immense and profound like uh, confidence and trust and like we are moving forward. People are doing the work. People are showing up. Men are waking up. Women are being able to forgive. We're coming together. And, you know, vibration, energy, the law of attraction, like we are finding ourselves. I was talking to C this morning in class, like all these little communities that are coming up right now and how we're all going to be satellites and connectants. Like we already, we don't have to worry about that. We're all building and establishing and then we're bing, bing, bing. We all start lighting up and connecting before you know it. We're all supporting one another. And like, I truly believe we can get back to like a a beautiful way of living Mm -hmm. closer to tribal, still use these benefits of technology, but not to limit us in our humanness and our connection and our freedom, you know, like let's get back to nature, to humans and uh, take advantage of the technology. Don't let it take advantage of us. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things where, you know, it seems like a lot of us have really tipped in the scale of technology mm-hmm. and tipped out of the direction of nature. And now it's time to tip back more towards a perfect balance and union mm-hmm. within all of it. Because even this technology is nature. Mm-hmm. We are as much nature as nature. And if these are our creations, it's, you know... It's all nature. So now that people listening have a greater idea of who you are and like what you stand for and where you are presently, Mm -hmm. I would like to go into your dark night of the soul. Mm. And kind of just like how far you've come and... You know, just like that whole process. Because it's a pretty crazy story, and I feel that, (laughs) um, you know, if people can hear that and hear that somebody can go through something like that and then end up where you are, that really shows just, like, what's capable within this human experience to Mm -hmm. be in these struggles, but then also rise up from the ashes and just find that self-sovereignty you know like we don't always we're not always going to be in the struggles we can find freedom here Mm -hmm. absolutely well just uh we'll get a rough outline of the you know the childhood and the and the youth it was just like you know a, a rough childhood Lots of abuse, lots of physical violence, lots of yelling, lots of alcoholism, lots of drugs, lots of abandonment, you know, like living with my mother and then my father and then my grandparents and aunts and uncles and my parents divorced when I was five. My mom got married six times, had all these different men in and out of my life and a lot of them were violent in their own ways too. Most of them mostly towards my mother. So I had to uh, witness a lot of like physical abuse towards women and at like an age where I had no ability to defend that. And, uh, that was like heavy. And then a lot of separation from my brother growing up. So we had like this distant, not healthy relationship. And then my father was just, uh, just a super violent, angry person. And like, uh, young, you know, my parents were kids. My mom was 17. My dad was 20. You know, they didn't know what they were doing. And, it was rough you know I got out and I finally got out on my own when I was about 17 and 
just jumped right into the world. A lot of, you know, working a lot, a lot of hard, shitty jobs, but I loved that. I was just like, I had a good work ethic from my dad being such an asshole. Thank goodness. And, uh, man, uh, just worked really hard, but also was super lost, super depressed, doing a shit ton of drugs, super angry, super aggressive. Thought I wanted to be a cage fighter. Thought I wanted to be some gangster drug dealer. Um, was definitely struggling in like the female relationship department, like, uh, communication, honesty, lots of like infidelity and having a hard time trying to maintain monogamous relationships. And just, I was, by the time I was 24, you know, I was suffering from major depression and had no idea what depression even was. Just grew up in this hard upbringing that taught me that men don't cry, men don't feel, everything's going on inside of you. You don't bother anybody with that. You keep that to yourself and you stuff it down. And I basically fit the the protocol to a T of people who have paranoid schizophrenic snaps. I was, you know, white males between 23 and 26 that have abusive pasts, that suppress those pasts, that that turn to drugs. You know, like I literally fit the profile of someone to have a schizophrenic snap. And I honestly, at that point, you know, I was like, I was either about to commit suicide, have a drug overdose, or go to prison. Because I, dude, the police were nipping at my heels i had swat come kick door and they went to the apartment underneath me went to the wrong fucking house and i mean i got away but like i i was a really lucky person at this time and i'm lucky enough to have a friend realizing that i was heading down a dark path he knew a man in colorado that he felt he could introduce me to that might be able to help me when i met that man just looking into his eyes it was like I could see everything. I, I watched this man shapeshift into my mother and into my grandfather and then into like this Nordic warrior. And I just kind of collapsed in a puddle of tears because some people, you know, that's such a confusing thing to see. But I knew and felt in my body and in everything that I just could just see me from a bird's eye view and what I had become, the path that I was on. And I was so disappointed and i got to see these two people that i love dearly and like that have prayed for me and wished the best for me my whole life and just like what that would feel like for them if i were to leave at 24 years of age and man that moment just looking into this man's eyes cracked me wide open and uh that led me to this desire to come live in Colorado with these people. But do you think before we unpack getting there, yeah. do you want to open up on your Rye experience? Yeah. So leaving that property, I decided to move there. So leaving that property, I came back to Austin to kind of, I had my first amateur fight coming up and I had about three months on my lease. So I had to get just cross all my T's, dot all my I's and get back to Colorado. But in that meantime, I'm getting off the bus, I'm walking to work, and there's ryegrass growing in this field by my work. Not knowing any better and having recently discovered that ryegrass was an edible plant, but not knowing much about it because where I learned that was from a 12-year-old in a national forest in, like a, in a high-altitude environment, this piece of ryegrass is growing in the middle of the city in a human environment with pesticides and all kinds of stuff. 
not knowing, you know, that this piece of grass I was chewing on a daily basis for several days in a row even had the ability to contain, you know, a parasite, which was ergot, which was LSA. And so all of a sudden, me unknowingly start communicating with squirrels and with dragonflies and with the trees. And then I'm seeing spirits that are over, like, functioning in the world, overlapping my day-to-day life, shadow figures. I'm sensing people's energy. I'm feeling super telepathic, reading people's thoughts. And, they're, and like, in these, basically slipping into these energetic battles with just in human conversation and not knowing what's going on at all, but knowing that I didn't take any drugs knowing that I just met this person and got cracked wide open. So just assuming that I'm just leveling up, you know, all the books I've read, you know, I'm like thinking like, Oh, I'm just becoming Jesus. Essentially I'm hitting the next level. You know, I'm perceiving aspects of the world that not everyone can. So I just went along with it. And then before you know it, I'm roaming the city for about five days, doing crazy things, going to Aikido dojos and learning energetic martial arts from a 63 year old woman going to my own fitness classes and like having telepathic communication with kids I'm sparring with that don't even speak that are me that are deaf mute. And like just this wild journey just starts to become my life all of a sudden for several days. And I don't realize it, but I'm like, I'm not eating. I'm not drinking water. I'm not sleeping. I'm just becoming one of those crazy people that's roaming the city thinking they're Jesus until somebody, you know, realizes something's off with me and I end up going to a hospital kind of against my will. You know, the paramedics, they didn't force me, but like, I didn't want to go. I, I hate doctors. I hate hospitals. Huge fear of medicine in general. And take me into this hospital and I pretty much feel like I'm in the end all be all zombie apocalypse and I've got to escape and you know, my life depends on it. And I, rip the IV out of my arm. I break out of the hospital. I jump off of the helipad, not knowing that I'm at the top of this helipad and falling to my death at this point. And then just remembering how to fall perfectly because that 63 year old woman taught me that, you know, just days before and like hit the ground running, only broke my collarbone, but didn't feel it, you know, had like superhuman strength, like some dude on PCP or something. How many stories was this? It's about 80 feet. Okay. I'd say about somewhere between six and eight stories. And I could not have landed more perfectly in the perfect spot, right in between two signs. That had I landed on either of those signs, I would have been impaled and over. And uh, did you land on some grass or like? Yeah, it was a grass on a hillside, and I did what's called a break fall in martial arts, where you like, you know, heels to ass to low back, and you release all the energy of the force of the fall through the palms of your hands before your skull hits the ground. And that way, when your skull hits, the force has already been released. It's like if you're getting body slammed in MMA, that, okay. it's called a break fall. And I, at the top of this hill crest, hit that break fall down a rolling hill, like just so perfect, right into a tumble, right into running, just right back on my feet until I jump into a stranger's vehicle, which is not my getaway car, which I'm assuming because I'm in this crazy state and just assume that like where I'm in a battle for good and evil, people are on my side and like just jumped into this stranger's car, terrified, scared the shit out of this old man. But then that, the cops and the paramedics catch me, you know, surround that car and get me out. And I've got a broken collarbone. 
they release me to my mother at 6 a.m. when my heart rate's finally at there. Everyone's under the impression that I just took too much acid because they've tested my blood at this point and all they found is ergot, which is found in LSD. They release me to my mother. I'm still kind of going a little, doing some weird shit, cut all my hair off and start to confess all these things to my family and stuff, just making everybody super uncomfortable. At one point, I end up making out with my grandma. Like, I don't, shit got crazy. They take me to another hospital. They end up handcuffing me to the bed at that hospital. And um, that was kind of a little more violent experience. I remember seeing all those spirits in this room surrounded by the doctors as well. And like, it felt like in a super intense, once again, this good and evil back and forth of energy. And it was a lot of the exchange was through the eyes. Um, It was so, man... It was so interesting because I kind of developed this theory through the experience and like was actually using it. And especially in those martial arts that that woman had showed me, you know, we were sparring without contact, just keeping each other at bay with energy. And I don't know if I imagined that or if it really happened at this point, like this whole experience, I'm just going with it. But basically I get out of that hospital, still going crazy. They take me to get evaluated at an MHMR facility in Austin I kind of lose it in the parking lot, pull another, try to jump in a stranger's car type thing. Cops arrest me, and they take me to the mental hospital. All I remember is some woman putting a needle in my arm and then kind of coming to, realizing I had already been in this place for days. So I'm pretty sure there was like morphine or something, you know, something really strong in that needle because I was done, so. And then when I came to, realizing I had been in this place for several days, I was not in a good state. I was so disoriented, and I'm standing in a line at uh, waiting to get food. And I guess I'd already taken my meds that morning. I have no memory of that. But I'm standing in this line waiting to get food, and I, like, collapse in line, almost faint, which I've never fainted in my life. And these- So at this point, the LSA was definitely out of your system. I was still in the trip, dude. That's okay. the thing is it lasted so long. Okay. Um. But these men like kind of, you know, put me in this chair and they just start shoving pills down my throat. Just one after the other, one after the other. And by about the third or fourth pill, I spit it out and I kind of come to, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Who the fuck are you? Like, you're just shoving pills down my throat and I don't even know who the fuck you are. I don't know what you're putting in my mouth. Get the fuck away from me. And they all just kind of like, oh shit, he's, he's awake. You know, he's like present. And almost kind of seeing them recognize like, oh yeah, we haven't said anything to this person and we ha- we're we not telling you what these random pills are we're shoving down your throat. And, um, and I kind of was like, oh shit, I'm, I'm in it, dude. I'm in the fucking, I'm in the mental hospital. And uh, I tried to escape, you know, like the next day. And apparently I could have just left on my own accord. <laughs> So because I tried to escape, then I was not allowed to leave. And then I was on special watch on a, like a daily basis. And I just got into this, you know, routine over a few weeks of being in a mental institution and like the people in there and actually really deeply connecting with these beautiful, like individuals, like idiot savants, like incredible beings at one moment and then complete zombies at other moments and um 
deeply connected to them. You know, I was on this whole Jesus trip at the time. I'm still in it, dude. I'm still still talking to the trees. The squirrels at that mental hospital over on 45th and Guadalupe, they like live there, dude. I'm like kicking it with. And at this point, me and the squirrels are tight. Dragonflies are following me everywhere. Like I'm in it and I'm in the crazy house while I'm in it. And I'm connect. We're playing music. We're sharing story. Like I'm, we're going deep into their crazy trauma. Like talk about some trauma, like way heavier shit than I've experienced with the people or the squirrels. Yeah. With the people. Okay. With like, these people, you know, these quote unquote crazy people feeling comfortable and opening up to me and, uh, sh- and sharing and just, man, deep, deep trauma, deep, deep wounds. So that's really what it is. It's just and lots of layers it, of trauma. It was, uh, you know, that same friend who introduced me to Chris came to visit me. And he was like, dude, you got to, you're drawing a lot of unwanted attention. You got to get out of here. You got to stop telling them what you're seeing, what you're feeling. And just act normal. And I finally got it and just was like, okay. Continue to pretend like I'm taking the meds. Agree with all the doctors. Just be like, you know, super normal. And they let me out in like three days. And and I immediately, my friends had already packed up my whole house for me, had everything ready to go. The moment I got out of there, I drove to Colorado to go live with these people in the woods that I had just met. And it wasn't, you know, I'm still in the hallucinations. I'm still heavy. I'm still thinking I'm Jesus. I'm like closing my eyes and drawing pictures with my non-dominant hand. And then that picture predicting the future, like two days later, like, you know, one of them was like, I drew this embryo and I was like, was sitting with this girl and I was like, oh, you're pregnant. You know, she was like, look at the picture. She goes, that doesn't look like anything. And I was like, just flipped the photo over. I was like, no, it looks like a baby. And just looked at it. I was like, you're pregnant. She took a test and she was pregnant and that kid ended up being born on my birthday. You know, just like crazy shit was synchronistic shit was happening. I still didn't know what was what until six months into being at that property and finally remembering that word ergot and typing it into Google and bam, uh, pops the ryegrass LSA. They talk about the Salem witch trials, about how that whole community of witches that were murdered were most likely just under the influence of, uh, moldy rye bread they were under the influence of lsa there was a uh, a baker in france in the like 70s that was like intentionally giving patrons like moldy rye bread and they were like a whole community started tripping out so it's like a thing that exists but none of the doctors nobody was buying my plant story everybody was just like you took too many drugs finally you're crazy now forever this is who you are and i just i couldn't buy that diagnosis i had to just go and be alone to come back to as close to reality as possible on my own. And that was 10 years ago. And, you know, I, when I was in that mental hospital, I was gone. I was completely gone. My friends were coming to visit me. And I've seen people like that before. People I know that just took too much LSD or they went too crazy. You see them walking down the street and it's like, that person's gone. They're not there. That's who I was. And my friends and family had to experience that and see that. And I got to come back from that. I get to be, I don't know, very few people that have ever gone there and been able to come back. So I'm just like, you know, that man, Chris, that opportunity to go be in a place where I was free and surrounded by love and surrounded by compassion and not force fed any drugs and not diagnosed or like, it's interesting, you know, they would check on me. And just see how I was and talk to me and share. 
But when I was here, check, it was like the checking on me was like almost violent, like aggressive, like, like probing at what's wrong with you right now. Everything was not right. Everything was wrong. And then there it was just like a more safe environment. I could share whatever. And it wasn't like, you know, pointing out, okay, well that's crazy. You know, like type thing, just hearing me out. And, uh, yeah, man, I've had, I not had that experience. I don't know where I would be today in this moment. And some part of me, I don't know what or where or how, but feels like I have to give back because of that in whatever ways I can. I got the gift to come back. I have to share that. You know? It makes a lot of sense that you feel that call. <laughs> and like, <clears throat> honestly, so I think this is the third time I've heard this story, but now you unpacked it more because... Or on a podcast yeah. <laughs> and not just like in a workout class or doing durability. <laughs> yeah. It was two. I've heard it two durability classes, one podcast, and it's still one of the craziest stories <laughs> I've ever heard. And I didn't know about LSA and the Salem witch trials, but that makes a lot of sense. And just like understanding what really changed that experience for you was support and being seen and held and heard. And it just seems like so many people with trauma that's being repressed just need that medicine of like being seen as a human being. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that so much, you know, because I can, you've been you know, there. Yeah. Not seen by people that, and also realizing how unseen I even was to begin with by the people I love and care about close to me, family. And just like realizing that that's also partially on me too, for being so closed off from hiding all this stuff. You know, they didn't know how bad off I was. Nobody did. I pretended like everything was fine. And they probably didn't have the skill set either. Yeah. At the time, you know, um, I do believe we are all doing our best with the, the data points and the understandings that we have. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, man, you have come a long way from that point. Do you want to maybe elaborate a little bit on what the experiences and the tools that were available to you out in the mountains in Colorado and what helped, uh, really just like reframe your mindset and kind of get you uh, more attuned to the path that you're on right now. Well, that's actually, <laughs> you know, at that time I was a cage fighter and super um, aggro and very um, into like my strength. And uh, that experience humbled me in a way and, and really knocked me down a few notches and in coming back into deciding to be healthy or to, to just be active at all. You know, it's like, Oh, there's yoga, something that I just dabbled in when I was in martial arts. So just like once a week, get it really stoned and go to this coffee shop and this chick would teach yoga. And I walk past this yoga studio and they've got a, a deal, a 30 day challenge. And so I just bumped in there 30 days every day, some days, two days. And I just fully tapped into my breath for the first time of 
my yoga experience up until that point and got to tap into the medicine of, of my breath and of yoga and and step into like letting go of the need to be so rough on my body step into that more gentler path because i feel like what kind of started all of it because i would say you know 10 years ago this happened i feel like it's been 10 years of integration from that initial plant experience in the first five years of that integration were yoga and breath and putting myself back into the world slowly back into relationships back into exploring back into travel back into career and and just slowly stepping back into the world and about five years into that journey some plant medicine started to come come around um, some San Pedro, some ayahuasca. And up until that point, you know, I was doing a lot of drugs and I had that crazy experience and I really stepped away from, from things like that. Um, but you know, I was doing a lot of ecstasy and LSD and little mushrooms and alcohol and cannabis. And like, these are new plants to me and also different post LSA. Yeah. Post LSA. Okay. No, this is this pre LSA. Okay. And then post LSA, I'm hardly ever touching anything. For those like five, years. five years, okay, yeah, cool. you know, I'd smoke plenty of cannabis, but outside of that, um, and that was another huge thing too. I drank a lot of alcohol prior to the LSA experience, and my one rule at the house in Colorado was you can never be drunk here. You can never come home drunk, and so that really um, letting go of the alcohol was a huge, huge thing. And it was a lot easier than I thought. It was really just a bad habit. Just growing up in the environment I did, it was just commonplace to drink. So put down the alcohol, five years of hardly dabbing. I'd say in those five years, I did acid maybe once and mushrooms maybe once. And both times I did it a little differently. I had more of an intention. I wasn't just partying. I wasn't trying to suppress or escape anything. And then the stuff, ayahuasca started coming around, which I had, I had moved to Costa Rica at the time and been living in Costa Rica for a few months and been offered ayahuasca plenty of times out there, but it didn't feel right to me. I didn't see anybody who felt like a shaman serving it. I would see people that would go to this facility and come back and seem like they were a little disoriented, you know, like having a hard time putting themselves together afterwards. But then when I moved back to Colorado from Costa Rica, my friend Chris, sure enough, met this woman from Peru and all of a sudden there's some medicine around and we explored that together, you know, kind of beginners, not really knowing exactly what we're doing. Akaro's from YouTube in the basement and just kind of threw ourselves to the wolves and Man, it that has been the beginning of my plant medicine journey because since then, cacao ceremonies, mushroom ceremonies, cannabis ceremonies, San Pedro ceremonies, uh, San Pedro microdosing for months, um, lots of different ayahuasca ceremonies, and all the way to a point where I took a huge break, sat down with my depression, and spent three months with mushrooms and microdosing and really tackled that that demon that was ailing me, you know, after listening to a lot of Joe Rogan and Paul Stamets and, um, Michael Pollan, you know, just like, all right, I want to tackle this thing, this depression that has since the LSA gotten way better, but is still present in my life. And I still have these struggles and I went to work with my mind and my negative mindset and then reshaping my thoughts and my, my mind, my like, you know, synapse, processors just like trying to create a whole new way to think about myself and my life and um 
it's about five years of a, of a plant medicine journey to lead me to where I am now here in this moment. I'm not currently taking medicine on any regular basis, but checking in with the plants from time to time and always applying that ceremonial space to everything that I possibly can to do. When we're in the workouts, if I'm teaching a yoga class, if I'm cooking a meal for a friend, like being in that space of love and in integrity and applying that to everything we do for me and that 10 year journey has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt to be like where the juice is, you know, and you can bring medicine to anything, anything, any space, any activity. No so, doubt. As you start to sit in ceremony, at least in my experience, you come to the realization that every aspect of life is ceremony and can, and in my opinion, should be treated as such. Mm-hmm. It's all sacred. You know, it's not just because you go to prayer that something becomes sacred or something is God. And it's not just because you sit in ceremony that that's the only reason why you find yourself in a space of the divine. Mm -hmm. It's always present. Absolutely. Pima Trodron talks about that, you know, like that, you know, don't be too caught up in your meditation, your meditation practice. Like Ram Dass talks about it too. Like you, have the ability and the opportunity to be in that same amount of presence as meditation in your waking life. If you, if you can tap into that space and, and, and be in that center. And so like, it's not always about just like that meditation, that strict discipline. It's like, Hey, so I miss meditation today. Why aren't you just trying to be in that all day? That should be the, the goal to bring that ceremonial, that, spacious connectedness to everything you do i mean that's when that's where those beautiful moments you just cross on a stranger's path or you see a homeless person or somebody needs some help or somebody just needs to say a few words to you and and you're not closed off and you're not shut off from that you're actually sensing that picking up from that and you're open to being there for that because that's where the life is taking place it's not about your rushing to get to this place that you've got to fucking be to in two minutes it's about taking that extra three minutes to be late and be present with somebody, complete fucking stranger. But that connection of humanness, you know, like for me, that's, uh, that's where it's at. And having recognized that and knowing that I have that capability, those are the ways in which I, I, ch- I choose to show up in the world. And, uh, it feels good when I do it. It resonates with me. So I, I, that's the path I'm on. Yeah. That, that essence of soul, that frequency. It's always running in the background, you know, it's just, um, what do you have the dial of your system tuned to? Mm -hmm. And when you can tune it to soul and stay in soul as frequently as possible, then you're going to be just the greatest vessel, most aligned vessel for just the highest good. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really does take getting out of your own way in order for you to like, hear that frequency and feel that frequency and go from like being in a meditation or a yoga class or a plant medicine ceremony to realize like these tools are excellent, but you can always tap into that place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always say it's waiting for you. <laughs> you know, it's always there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
So I think I just have one more question for you. Maybe one or two. Let's see how it goes. What's like the lesson and insight that you want people to know that are in their own dark nights Mm. of the soul? Hmm. I'd say about two and a half years ago, you know, you've heard my story. You've heard I've been in this, you know, 10 year transition of this original plant kind of wrecking my world. And I still to this day don't know, like, did I have a paranoid schizophrenic snap and the plant helped me through it? Did the plant push me into that snap? Like there's the way it lasted, the length of it, the extremity of it. Like I still to this day don't know what all took place. But I'm still, you know, 10 years deep into this. Just two and a half years ago, I battled the deepest, darkest of my depression I've ever faced. Usually my depression would last long amounts of time. This was just three days, but it was the darkest three days ever. To the point where I went to my go-tos of, like, not to take my own life. I thought about the people I love most and how it would affect them. And got to that, you know, that edge of, like, okay, this is why you don't, you won't do this. But I was so deep in it that I was like, really ex- accepting that. No, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. I think they'll be okay. And that was, I was so, I woke up on that third day, not knowing if I had truly woken up or if I had taken my life that night. And I went out and I went to Barton Springs and I, you know, just the wind and the trees, the light on the water and, uh, had such deep, gratitude that I can't even express that I chose to stay and some of us deal with that darkness and there's no it's hard to even grasp like where is it coming from my life could be perfect from the outside perspective but I am in the depths of fucking hell inside and I to the point where I don't want to be here and only those that have tasted that darkness know that darkness, battle that darkness, know like what that feels like. And if I can give anybody a message, and it'll probably be cheesy as hell, especially if you're in that place to hear it. But like nobody ever showed me this or taught me this growing up. And like my mission now is to share this to anybody and everybody that I can that we truly can do anything. Like the options are endless. The world is an endless universe of opportunity to step into like whatever you want to do and whatever you want to be. And a lot of us fall into some mindset that we have to be something specific or we have to have it figured out or these means or this, you know, monetary, whatever, like I'm never going to be able to make it to these things. We fucking can't dude. like from where I grew up, Fucking living in the trailer parks, crazy abuse, drug addicts, my own personal journey, my own loss of self to come to where I am now. And just like, if you make the choice to not give up, like, I truly believe that, you know, even in those darkest places, it almost took my life. Like the universe put me to push me to the edge. It's never going to give you more than you can handle. You can give up, but if you choose to not give up in those edges, you will soon see that there's magic in this world. And if you trust in that magic and you are in alignment with your heart and your integrity and that intent is behind that, not only can you do whatever you want, you won't even have to work hard for it. You just show up. 
you're going to be supported. But it does take some heavy work to get there. And I just say, just push through that heavy work. Don't give up. That's like the biggest thing I can leave behind. Don't give up. Cool. So if you would encapsulate that message and put it on a billboard, <sighs> it would say, you say you are dot, dot, dot. <laughs> you are everything. Dot, dot, dot. You are everything you will ever need to be. Dot, dot, dot. Period. <laughs> That's what it would say. Yeah. Well, on that note, thank you, brother, mm. for sitting down with me and having this conscious conversation, uh, just like laying it all <laughs> out on the line. You went deep and you were vulnerable and you shed a lot of light on darkness and not only in this conversation, but you've come to really fine tune that skill set mm -hmm. in life. And it's something that I'm so grateful to learn from and to apply into my own life and hold that same light for others. So thank you for being you. I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you, Cam. Thank you so much. Thank you for this platform. And yeah, man, can't wait to see the things we do separate and together. And we are the change. We just got to show up. Yeah, brother. We're the ones we've been waiting for. Mm. Love you. Love you too. Mm. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning into the podcast. Thank you, Jimmy, for coming on. I love you so much, man. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on and to drop into this discussion and for you to share your story and just be so open and vulnerable. I know that those that needed to hear it will find a lot of medicine from it. And thank you for showing up in the ways that you have in this lifetime. You inspire the hell out of me, brother. I love you without a doubt. And if you feel called to share this podcast with anyone, please do. Um, looking to grow this thing as big as it wants to go. And it's it's such a pleasure to drop in and, and create this for you. To be honest, I haven't felt called to create a lot of things over the course of my lifetime. I felt very comfortable consuming, whether it was uh, junk food, video games, media, um you know, I've spent way more time just scrolling through Facebook and Instagram than I'm proud of. And now I'm really tipping the scale towards creation. And this is just one of the many mediums that I am blessed to do that through. So it is a pleasure to do it for you to create this medicine. And if you find value in it and you're connecting, please just share. That's all that I ask of you. Um, if you feel called to leave a review on iTunes, awesome. If not, awesome. It's all good. And like I said, I have availability now for three clients at this moment in time to take on. I love coaching. I love seeing people transform and show up in new ways in their life. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to witness growth and to see people go far. So yeah, thanks for listening. I love you all. Big love. Peace.